0: In a series of two very similar teams, one team did not look very similar. In fact, the Chicago Cubs looked pretty good. Two out of three, they clobber the Cincinnati Reds. We have with us Sam Olber, the brand new one of the two one of two parts for the Locked On Cubs crew coming at you. This is his debut on the Locked On Network. He's going to start next week with his pal, Matt Cozzi. But I wanted to bring him in to wrap up this series. Hey, what's up? This is Jeff Carr. This is a Locked On Reds, Locked On Cubs crossover post-series crossover, we will look back at this series that had a lot going on. Not going to lie, the first game of the series gave me a lot more hope than the second uh, and third games did, but we'll talk about some surprises as well, including the Reds pitching staff, not necessarily the bullpen, that hasn't surprised me at all this year, but the starting pitching did, and then of course we'll look ahead to the tumultuous, let's let's say, I, I think that's a nice way of putting it path forward for both of our teams, but I want to start off because we're, we're joined by Sam Olber. This is his first foray into locked on. So real quickly, Sam, before we jump into this series, why do you like the Cubs?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, Jeff, thanks for uh, having me on, bringing me on. This is cool for me to do my first uh, show with you Cubs Reds. Um, man, just a diehard cub fan really similar to you with the Reds uh born and raised my dad uh my dad brought it upon me uh you know for good or for worse It's my team It's a good day when the Cubs win. It's a bad day when the Cubs lose uh, a lot more a lot more bad than good in my 28 years but uh November 2nd 2016 was my 23rd birthday and a uh, World Series so it was all worth it that day and since then Jeff it's been uh not good.
0: well honestly though i i envy a little bit because the last time the reds were in the world series i was in diapers so i can't really claim to remember that it's been a long time but this series has shown that uh, both teams, they're going to be fighting with the Pirates for whoever gets third place. Let's not kid ourselves. I really thought that the Cubs could sneak up, at least during spring training. I thought the Cubs could sneak up on the Brewers and the Cardinals, but nobody's sneaking up on the Brewers and the Cardinals. It's them two playing at the top and the Pirates and the Cubs and the Reds down at the bottom. But when you look back at these last three games, what was your biggest takeaway from what the Cubs did to the Reds?
1: Well, my biggest takeaway, I think you and I are in the same boat. Every game, every series, we are looking at stuff we could take away for the future, right? Right. And for me, it was Keegan Thompson, game one. Although his line wasn't great, I thought he threw the ball really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Justin Steele. Another another pitcher, a part of the future, hopefully throws the ball really well last night. And then tonight um, your fantasy guy, my fantasy guy, Christopher Murrell, uh breaks out of what was really a pretty long slump. He had struck out at least twice in 19 straight games, goes five for five today with a home run off ace uh, reliever Max Schrock <laughs> uh, position player. But still, I thought that was a big takeaway. You're just looking for things to, you know get to the future and be happy about or be excited about. So from the Cubs perspective, that's what I took away. I don't know about you with the Reds, but I have some stuff I took away for the Reds too. That was really shocking for me.
0: Yeah, the the biggest takeaway I had from this is that the adjustment period for both Graham Ashcraft and Hunter Green have begun. I mean, they're definitely in the middle of it, and they're both at different stages. I think that, honestly, Graham Ashcraft in the final game of this series really had a struggle early on with a lot of, oh, gosh darn it, that's a tough play. Like, you know, oh, oh, man, that just just missed that guy's glove right there. Oh, it fell where they weren't, and they could have been there, but they weren't and then Patrick Wisdom clobbered the ball and you're like, okay, this isn't just bad luck anymore. This is just a bad outing for Graham Ashcraft, probably the worst of his young career, which isn't saying very much as a small sample size, but you're talking about a dude who is coming off of a beautiful start at Oracle Park. He pitched eight beautiful innings against the Giants and beat them. So I was like, okay, what are we going to get from him today? It was a little bit more of the, okay, need to fix a few things, but I'm still very happy with where he is in his development on the flip side of things hunter green has me a bit concerned because hunter green has oodles of talent he has all of the intangibles that you want in an ace pitcher he's very even keeled he knows how to calm himself down he's very smart and he learns the one thing he's not learned, though, is how to throw that changeup. He threw one changeup in that start, and the rest of them were forcing fastballs and sliders. And you're not going to be a good starting pitcher. You might be an okay back end of the rotation guy with two pitches, but even then, you're not pitching more than five innings in any given start. He's got to add that third pitch. So my biggest thought when it came to this series for the red legs was the starting pitching now on the lineup side of things there were a couple of guys that really started to come up a bit I mean Joey Votto had the big home run last night had a three hit night I'm wearing his jersey today and then you had Nick Zell he didn't play very well in the series finale but he had had a nice stretch and he's been hitting the ball a lot better as of late because we had gotten to the point where we're just like you know Former number two overall pick, whatever he's not playing like, well, where do we factor a guy like that into the future? We were starting to think that we might not, but he's turning a corner that I think he's going to argue the point of sticking around for a little bit longer and maybe see if he can be here because we're kind of earmarked. And this is something we'll get into here in a few minutes. But we've kind of earmarked the year 2024 as when we can start having expectations again for this Red Legs team. But when you looked at the Reds this series, what was your first thought?
1: So let me let me offer you and, and all your Reds listeners a positive uh, Cubs perspective spin on what you said, because I do disagree a little bit, but obviously I don't watch them on a regular basis. I do watch a lot of Hunter Green because he's one of my guys on my team. But Jeff, the Cubs haven't had a legitimate pitching prospect like a Hunter Green, like a Graham Ashtraft. I'm not I'm not as familiar, familiar with Ladolo because he hasn't really pitched much, but we haven't had a legitimate pitching prospect um, probably since homegrown since Mark Pryor. Right. And I, I, I understand Hunter Green needs to add a changeup, but when you have a guy who's 22, and that, that in pitching years, when you add in the COVID year, is really, really young. Throwing a, He was throwing 102 last night. 102 and I understand he needs to add a third pitch, but what a what, what Cub fans the, the Cubs we don't have one guy that throws above 97. There there's no velocity on this team at all. Um so what I would I would say this there's there's examples around all of baseball. Cor, Corbin Burns, highly touted guy, really struggled early on. Uh, Lucas Giolito struggled a little bit this year, but he struggled early on too. Had a rough year. I think Hunter Green's going to be just fine. He has plenty of time. If you're a Reds fan, your goal is like you said by 2024. That's when he needs to be the ace of this staff, and there's plenty of time for that. I think with Ashcraft, honestly, I, I told you this before we got on. I texted you. There's a lot of guys who are going to struggle tonight. It's yeah. it's 90 plus at Wrigley, wind's blowing out. He has some bad bad luck early with that wisdom hit. He's a pitch to contact guy, which you've watched way more of him than I have. I'm surprised he's throwing like 97 mile an hour cutters. Again, if I had a cub throwing 97 mile an hour cutters, I don't care if he's given up eight runs a game. That's, that's intriguing. And then the, my biggest surprise, Jeff, and I'll kick it back to you. Cause I, you know, I've only watched a lot of the reds when they played the cubs is there's a lot of guys in this bullpen. I haven't heard of everybody's throwing 98, 99. Am I wrong?
0: No, you're not wrong, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you the bullpen. I, I know, there's there's a whole new right. podcast there, but no,
1: I know they're not good. But sorry <laughs> to cut you off. But it's like Jim Deshays, the Cubs uh, color guy, said today: there is a lot to work with with that pitching staff. Mm. And one of the things Matt and I are going to talk about on our show, and this is a little bit of a spoiler alert of why the Cubs are in the position they're in, a second rebuild in ten years for one of the three, four biggest markets in all the the league, is we haven't been able to, to draft and develop homegrown pitching whatsoever. We, I've never seen a young guy throw 100 miles an hour for the Cubs consistently and, and I understand there's more than velocity, but Hunter Green, I think he's going to be fine. I haven't watched enough of Ashcraft. I was not surprised that he struggled tonight. This is one of those games, but to me my my impression of the series, look, I know you know bad defense and stuff for the Reds. That's going to happen when you're a last place team, but I was just really surprised at just the the stuff the, the that a lot of these Reds pitchers are bringing to the table. The numbers aren't good, but man, there's a lot of potential with that staff I do
0: agree there there's definitely the kind of talent there that Derek Johnson the pitching coach has a lot of fun guys to work with it's not like last year last year the bullpen was made up of retreads waiver claims and guys that they got on minimum deals that were looking for employment anywhere and he's not dealing with that now the numbers have not shown that it's any better in fact numbers have actually shown it to be slightly worse but I'm with you there and, and there's part of what you're saying right now that I was actually excited about as the season started, because these are unknown guys. We're working with unknown commodities that have some sort of upside, some sort of ceiling that they could reach. I didn't think we had any sort of ceiling guys last year. We had whatever they give us is going to be a surprise. And if they give us bad pitching, it's not going to be a surprise. So that was nice to see this year that they really went all in on the young guys And I'm excited to see where a lot of them go. And you're right. Time. Time is what they need. And it's, there's lots of reasons why it's frustrating why Reds fans aren't giving them time, but that'll be another podcast. I tell you what, though, you mentioned surprises. There were some surprises for me. The the biggest surprise for me had to deal with the lineup from the Reds. And we're going to get into that After I tell you about making your next great bet. You're going to find it at betonline.net and in fact like you had mentioned and I don't know why I didn't do this but I should have hammered the over when you told me that the wind was blowing out. That would have been like the easiest bet ever and that was from Sam Olber not betonline.net but betonline.net has all of your props odds and lines for Major League Baseball. They've got great stuff for the NBA offseason that is off to a roaring start as NBA free agency opened up last night. You've got the NFL futures that you can jump into as training camp approaches and you've got great stuff like mma boxing i mean ufc 276 is coming up on saturday two great title fights you got sugar shawn o'malley fight and it's going to be a great night of fighting bet online as you covered for all of it and speaking of baseball for some reason i'm not seeing the cubs line tomorrow i don't know why but the reds are huge underdogs and they should be because Mike Miners pitching against Max Free. This is going to be a tough matchup to watch, I believe. And Bet Online is the best place to take any kind of. And there's going to be prop bets and stuff you can look at as well. Bet Online is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Reds and Locked On Cubs your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. Coming up next week, we're going to be off for July 4th, but we will be back July 5th talking about the events of the Braves series and getting you set for Reds-Mets. Plus, you got Cubs, Red Sox, and I'm sure they're going to be all over what's going on between the Cubbies and the Red Sox. Two formerly cursed teams, but I don't think... Think we consider them cursed teams anymore? No,
1: nah, I don't think so.
0: Nah, no, 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 I don't. I don't think so. I tell you what, though, surprises abounded in this series, and I'll start real quick. The lineup for me, the the lineup for the Reds. Yeah, sure, you're gonna look at some of these scores and say, well, they weren't terrible, they weren't bad, but honestly, whenever it felt like the Cubs had a big inning, the Reds followed it with a very quick one, two, three that ultimately doomed them for the rest of the game there were so many and and, you know i credit cubs pitching on that but i also look at this and i wonder where the fire is i wonder and 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 there's part of this that it's going to be tough to watch the rest of this season and it's funny sam because i'm an optimistic dude but you're catching me after a loss which sometimes that kind of obscures the optimism trust me i know when i look at this lineup i was like man where is like joey Votto got three hits last night and nobody else. I mean, Tommy Pham had that late home run, which was pretty great to see. But it just it kind of felt like way too little, way too late, especially after Max Schrock had given up a bunch there in the bottom of the eighth. Which I mean, I don't know what else we were expecting. Position player pitching—that's what's going to happen. But the lineup—I I wanted to see more fight from them.
1: Yeah, I you know I wouldn't. You know I don't know. You know if is it is it fight? I you know it might have just been one of those nights. I thought. You know they—they they sure weren't fooled by Rowan Wick. That was that—that that was their best uh, their best offense all series. Wick got uh, got really beat up um, the first ser- the first game and the third game. But you know, to me, when I talk about surprises, I'm going to take it a little bit off the field here. Did you get a chance to see Albert Elmore Junior's comments uh, yesterday? I did not. So. Albert Amor Jr., who you, you told me off air, you know, you, you've been somewhat satisfied with so far, which is fine. Uh, really called out the Cubs brass yesterday uh, saying that it was Muddy Waters uh, quoting uh, Mm -hmm. during his time with the Cubs. And then I forget who the beat writer is. Somebody talked about how he's been breaking out with the Reds. So I did a little homework uh, and realized that away from Great American Ballpark, he's OPSing 550, uh, which isn't much. And he he made a couple nice catches. But I was just really surprised. I thought Albert Amora was given a lot of chances here with Mm -hmm. the Cubs and you know he was a nice defensive player he tagged up made a huge tag up in the world series game 7 16 Cubs fans know what I'm talking about but boy he really sounded sour about his time here. you would have think that he's he's sitting 330 with 15 and 40 with the way he was talking about being a sensei red but that I was just surprised by that otherwise this series to me not too many surprises it was nice to see from a Cubs perspective though Jeff some young outfielders uh, Crook Velasquez getting a chance it looks like Hayward's going to be on the I.L. I I know, Cub fans are just begging to just see young outfielders with some upside to just play every day, roll them out there, see what happens, go through struggles. But from a Red's perspective, you know, I wasn't too surprised. I, I, all I know is, is if Joey Votto's facing Kyle Hendricks, take a home run prop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the, the that's that's a given
0: he oh man i was expecting that first at bat that he had against Hendricks when he just kind of popped out the center field a little bit you know lazily not not lazily on his part but a lazy fly ball sure it was like oh man i thought this was gonna be like it was a great american because i remember that's that situation where he went home or triple his first two at bats i'm like here we go but no, not 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 quite that good. No, when you talk about this young outfield for the Cubs, Christopher Morrell really has me intrigued. And it's not just because I picked him up on my fantasy team. I love the fact that I did that. And on ESPN, he randomly has eligibility at second base. I love that too. But the way that he plays is just so fun to watch. He's so energetic. That throw that he oh. made in the second, that was, I, when I watched it, I'm just like, psh, I, I. I can't do anything else. I'm just this is involuntary clapping because that was a beautiful hit or a beautiful throw. And of course, the performance that he put on and I know the homer that he hit came off of Max Schrock lobbing meatballs up there because that's what he's supposed to do. They're just trying to save the bullpen from throwing somebody else out there and getting clobbered. But he did what he needed to do, and he just destroyed that ball to left field. I I, I think the future for this dude is really
1: promising. For sure, and the thing that's interesting about it is, you know, you say he's got second base eligibility in fantasy. His primary position is actually third. He's (laughs) he's he he could play third, short, and second, and they're they're just playing him at center because they have a need there. They don't really have a defensive center fielder. So I think, you know, with with Morel, you know, his his ceiling is very high. He's very toolsy. um, Has power. Has speed. Like you said, has an arm. The the thing that intrigues me though is his floor. If he does go through a funk like he had been going before this series he he has the ability to play multiple positions at an above average level um you know which makes him very valuable uh you know even if he's a 250 260 hitter if you're playing a lot of third short second and center that's a good big league player right there it's very useful so uh i agree he he's he's very intriguing and and has been a one of the few bright spots along with nico horner who had a really big series for the cubs um, this year
0: yeah, I, I like Horner a lot, and i I remember just watching morell whenever they were at Great American last series before this one, and was like, "Ah, this this dude, he's he's pretty fun to watch." I I never heard of him before when he was coming up, so this is going to be a lot of fun to see how he grows. But also, one other thing too that I want to kind of cover a bit is that the the surprise play there. With, with the shift on and the ground ball and David Bodie just runs in and gets his left shoulder that he just got healed. Like he just came back from that injury. And now all of a sudden he's having to deal with this again, where he just gets ran into and he was down for a little bit. Like, what were you thinking in that play? Because I watched that and I was like, Oh my gosh, what is going on?
1: I was thinking, obviously, first of all concerned. Uh, but for me, some just hasn't been right with Bodie since he's come back uh, defensively. Offensively, he's been fine. But defensively, you know, you watched the ball game yesterday. He had two misplays defense. I think I think neither of them were called errors, but they were both plays he's supposed to make. The Cubs just DFA'd Jonathan VR, who has been statistically one of the worst defensive players in baseball in terms of defensive run saved. And so you think Bodie's back, and, and he's a really good defender. But he was really struggling, just looked unsure of himself. He's been going through some problems in the minors with, like, dizziness and, like, some some stuff that, like, he's been physically sick, so who knows? But it was concerning um, from that perspective. But I did want to ask you real quick, Jeff, in terms of the Reds, you know, we talk about Horner and Morrell, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't think either of those guys are building blocks offensively. Like, I, I look at Hunter Green as a building block, as <laughs> a pitcher, right? I don't think the Cubs right now, obviously, assuming they trade Contreras, had m- many building blocks. We'll see with Suzuki when he comes back. Do you look at a guy like Jonathan India as a building block, or do you look at him in, in the category of like a Morel? Obviously he's more established when rookie of the year, but like a Morel or a, a Nico Horner where it's like, he's a really nice piece, but, but if he's the the first or second best offensive player, we're probably not good enough. You know,
0: that's an interesting question because I've looked at the future thinking that Tyler Stevenson is probably going to be the dude that anchors this lineup. Uh, There's some dudes that are coming up that are some big boppers. There's some dudes that are coming up that are pretty good contact hitters. I mean, there's uh, one dude that honestly could supplant him if it were the kind of scenario where he continues this sophomore slump that he's in. Like, I know he had a three-run home run the other night, but he's not been playing super well since coming back from that hamstring injury, which really, it was the same hamstring injury. He just had two different IL stints for it. But I think with all of that, we got to see how he adjusts. But there's also part of me that thinks with that rookie of the year award, and if he makes that adjustment, he might price himself out of the reds and he might turn wow. into a better trade chip than somebody that you hold around. Because I think I'm, I think I'm with you. I think offensively, he's good. He's solid. I don't necessarily think he's a guy that you're going to be like, this is a perennial all-star that the Reds lineup can hang their head around. That, that's a good question because he's not really somebody that I ever considered thinking about too deeply in that. Is there a point where we expect him to take that next step or maybe we should move on from him? I I, I wonder about that
1: right no I, I I think I agree I, I feel that way about Horner and and Morell as well you know because everyone always asks like around Chicago like what's the core because everybody's used to Schwarber and Baez and Rizzo that that was it was an obvious core when we were rebuilding the Cubs right now don't have that that core and if they do they're three four years away from coming to the big league so I always find that interesting I, I think India though will bounce back hamstrings can yeah. be really tricky so
0: well and it's interesting you mentioned core because I want to kind of focus on where the Reds and Cubs go from here, because it's going to be a little bit before the Reds and Cubs play. In fact, the next time they play, it's going to be in Iowa and it's going to be in a field of dreams. I think we'll see some, uh, you know, see James Earl Jones out there in the outfield. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, no, but that, that the future for both of these teams is interesting. Kind of like you said, the core for the Cubs is a little bit fuzzy. The core for the Reds, is somewhat in the major leagues, but there's a couple of dudes coming up through the minors that we still need to see in the majors before we can really get excited. I'm going to tell you about those plus tell you about how the rest of this season is going to go. We're talking about some trade chips on both of our teams. And I think a couple of them are, uh, rhymes with, uh, <clears throat> Mastio and uh, Bontreras, I think is uh, what they were uh, anyway that's a terrible segue yeah that that's all coming up in just a moment but first wanted to shout out our Twitter handles because you can see them right here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube if you're listening you can't you can follow Sam at Sam Olber O-L-B-U-R, because he was able to actually spell his entire name for his Twitter handle. I tried that. They wanted me to add another another F, but, spoiler well, not spoiler alert, T's, the F actually stands for my middle name. I won't tell you what that is. We'll leave that for uh, another day. But for, uh, uh, yeah, no. Jeff with three F's, car. You can follow us on Twitter. You can also follow at LockedOnCubs and at LockedOnReds. Uh, When it comes to the future for both of our teams, that's really what we're focused on. These day-to-day wins and losses are nice, but at the end of the day, we're not expecting either team to be anywhere near the playoff race. Heck, we're just going to be excited if our teams don't lose 100. I mean, that's kind of where I am, at least with the Reds, but the future is bright the immediate future of those trades and i know that a lot of people have issues with this where they're talking about trading established guys for prospects but really that's how a small market team like the reds survive and that's how the cubs built up their world series team now the biggest trade champ, i think for the cubs unless i'm off on this is Contreras. but every time i hear about Wilson Contreras and rumors, I hear mixed stuff like he's getting traded tomorrow. He's not getting traded at all. What's your feelings on that?
1: I would be very surprised if he was not traded. Um, I think, and and think about it, right? He's, he's, he's a free agent after the year anyway. So even if they, they already said they're not going to extend him mid season. So even if they did have an idea to bring him back, it still would make sense to trade him and then try and bring him back in the off season. Now that's unlikely. I think the only time that's really happened is with, I remember Chapman, they did it in 16 actually when they traded him to the Cubs. Uh, But I just think Wilson Contreras is going to get traded. Jeff, uh, he's had an awesome year. Um, I respect him so much as a player. He's a physically tough guy. He gives it his all every time out. He 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 isn't very good defensively. He has a great arm, but if if you do watch the Cubs on a daily basis, Jan Gomes is actually catching a lot more than Contreras, and the Cubs team ERA with Jan Gomes is exceptionally better uh, than it is with Contreras. I just think He's not going to come back a free agency. He wants JT Real Muto money. The Cubs aren't going to give him that. The Cubs are going to be more active in the shortstop market, in the pitchers market. And I just believe they're going to trade him and get a haul back. I do not think they're going to get the type of haul Luis Castillo will get back because Luis Castillo still has a year of control left. And that's a huge element to the type of trade, uh, you know, return that you're going to get. But I do think he's going to be traded. I don't think Ian Happ's going to be traded. I don't think Kyle Hendricks could be traded and i will be talking about this at nauseum uh during the trade deadline when that happens but cotreras for sure it'll be tough for cubs fans they're gonna be upset but i do think he goes uh i don't think he gets the type of package though that mr castillo who was dominant the other night uh will get yeah
0: i i loved watching him pitch in that first game that was the best he's looked definitely this year and maybe in a couple of years, to be honest with you. I mean, he was, he's been solid, but that was just, he was working his pitches in and out of the zone, and it was just absolutely beautiful. I think that he is going to command a very good trade package. We're talking about the similar thing, and this it's, it's a bummer to bring this up, because whenever the Reds made this trade, it was deemed that the Reds won this trade. Whenever they traded Johnny Cueto to the Kansas city Royals for three really highly touted pitching prospects. None of those guys are in the system anymore. (laughs) One of those guys made the major leagues for like 20 minutes and then he was out of the major leagues altogether. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag to compare those two things, but the Reds really have to hit on this because we are coming into a period of trading away guys that when they last had this opportunity in like 2015 and 16, they waited too long on anybody. Didn't get much for any of them. I mean, it's still, it still just kind of grinds my gears a little bit that they got nothing for Jay Bruce and they got nothing for Brandon Phillips because they held on to them way too long because they were fan favorites. The owners feel like fan favorites. Okay. We'll hold on to them. Maybe we'll be okay. And then it just didn't work out. So I'm hoping that they can play a little bit of raise ball. I don't know necessarily that they'll be as successful because, well, I'm pretty sure every team tries to be the raise and not every, there's only one race, but the Reds can make these trades. And with the extra year control, they can demand more. And I'm also hoping real quick too, that they kind of land something with Brandon Drury. I don't think that something's going to be readily like, you know everybody's going to be like dude they absolutely fleeced somebody for Brandon Drury but i think in a couple of years he's going to turn into that kind of player that really helps you get over the hump
1: yeah i think drury is probably going to be your guys all-star but you know you're you're preaching to the choir here and obviously with the cubs and reds the the one thing that's different and i don't want to go too long on this but I think the Reds are in a little bit better position in terms of current MLB roster and and core, but the the big advantage the Cubs have is money, right? They're going to, they're going to, they're going to spend, right? They're going to get a Trey Turner or a Correa or a Bogarts. That's, that's pretty popular. So they're going to spend, but Jeff, let me tell you, even as a big market team, the Cubs made the same mistake after winning a world series. Now it's understandable. You win your first world series in 108 years. The fans are thrilled, uh, but Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, uh, two, lesser extent Rizzo and and uh, Contreras but those three guys and and Jed Hoyer the Cubs general manager actually admitted this a couple weeks ago on the radio they should have pulled the trigger after 18 and traded one of those guys because it would have help them not be where they are right now. And to be honest, as crazy as it sounds, they got lucky that they lost 11 in a row last year when they did, because if they were two, three, four games out, the fan base wouldn't let them sell those guys and they'd be martyred in a, in a rebuild right now with absolutely no farm system. So it's always a tricky situation. Um, it happened with Phillips and Bruce, like you said, and, and to, a, you know, in a different situation because the Cubs did win with that core. It happened with Baez and, and Schwarber and, and Brian, but, you know, I think, I think the Cubs did the best they could do at the time. And and I think the the Reds have learned their lesson and are pretty straightforward in in the direction they're headed. And I I expect them to get a really nice return uh, for Luis Castillo.
0: I've been told by somebody in the past, I'm blanking on who it was that Kyle Schwarber was from Middletown.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, And don't forget, Ian Happ also went to college at Cincinnati. That's right. He went to
0: UC. Yeah, no. I, and he's had a nice year, even outside the Reds. I, I've said before, we've talked before off air about how, yeah, Ian Hap just kills the Reds, but he's actually had a good year overall this year. Um, I'd be interested to see, like, kind of like you said, you don't expect him to get traded, but I wonder if somebody tries to swipe him up with a, an interesting deal there. Yeah, I, I, I like the pieces that are in the major leagues right now for the Reds. Kind of like you said, there's guys that are getting development, key development reps and 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 appearances innings what have you that is really going to help them grow i mean it sucks to watch hunter green give up five home runs in a game to the brewers but those are the kind of things you know you learn through failure and i think that hunter green is learning a lot graham ashcraft's learning a lot nick lodolo is going to be back soon he'll be learning a lot and then you're going to bring up guys like Ellie De La Cruz, who he hit a home run yesterday for Dayton. Uh, there's some other great dudes like Matt McClain that's coming up and he could be a shortstop second baseman. He could be a left fielder or something like that. There's a lot of guys that are ready to make an impact on this team. And if they can add the right pieces with these trades, the, the, the Reds really stand a shot. They really, really do. Now we're asking the same guys generally when we're talking about the higher up, Positions in this organization, we're asking the same guys who caused this problem to now fix this problem. But at the end of the day, we just kind of got to be fans and have some blind faith with all that, because right, right, you know, it's not going to change. They're not going to sell the team tomorrow. There's, there's not.
1: <laughs> no, and and the last, you know, the last thing I'll say is coming from a Cubs fan, a different perspective. Like I said, I, I'll close, you know, with this. Or I don't know how much longer we have, but the I would kill. For a Hunter Green and a Graham Ashcraft and those guys, it does take time. But when it clicks, it'll click. Pitch, you know. I'll, I'll use another example real quick. Shane McClanahan. Here's a guy that looks like the most polished left-handed pitcher, right? One of the, you know a Cy Young candidate. Last year, he did come up and he had success. But Jeff, he's 25. Right. Like he's he's a, a full three years older than a Hunter Green. Uh, listen, give me give me a, a grocer for the Cubs that throws 100 miles an hour. Anybody? I mean, just anybody to get a excited about, you know, Keegan Thompson, Justin Seals, Sure. But these guys, Jeff, these are number four, and number five guys that you're hoping to get a lot out of, but you know, Hunter green Ashcraft, you know, like I said, I haven't seen Lodolo, but I I'm telling you, be patient. The ERA is going to blow up here, but it's going to click. And when it clicks, it, it might not turn back.
0: Well, I tell you what, that's a beautiful place to end today's podcast. Thank you so much, Sam, for jumping on here. Like Sam said, Starting next week, Locked On Cubs, Sam Olber, Matt Cozzi, they are going to begin their tenure as the host of Locked On Cubs. And they got a lot to say because the Cubs have a lot going on. On. You're not gonna to want to miss them. You can find locked on cubs everywhere you find locked on reds. And by the way, thanks for making us your first listen. Now go make locked on MLB prospects, your second listen. Lindsey Crosby has you covered on the stars of tomorrow, We're talking about guys coming up through the minor leagues, and he's covering the MLB draft from all angles. It's not far off. Lindsay will get you set. That's Locked On MLB prospects, just like locked on reds and locked on cubs, free and available on all. Platforms. Hope everybody has a great Fourth of July weekend. And we'll see you on Tuesday.